Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to imagine yourself standing at the graveside of a loved one. You're standing there on the day of the burial. Maybe in your minds you're picturing an event, a real event, from the past. Or maybe you're imagining a potential future event. Either way, there you are on that burial day surrounded by family and friends. I'm sorry if this is a difficult image for you to conjure up in your minds right now, but we need to go to this place today. It's important for us to go here. I've been in this place with many of you, standing by the graveside. I imagine us holding on to one another, you being embraced by family and friends. And rightly so, there are tears. Tears there at the graveside, recognizing that we don't like death. Coming to the realization there at the graveside that life is short. Standing there at the graveside on that day, often the frustrations of daily living seem to be trivial. Those things seem to take a back seat when we realize that life is short and fragile. Today, I don't want to leave you at the graveside. I don't want to leave you there. Let's take that picture down. I, I want to take a step further into the future to what has been promised to those who are in Christ. We are promised in the scriptures that Jesus Christ will come again. And when Christ returns, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will be no more. We heard that in our reading from Revelation today that God will wipe away every tear. Perhaps there's a literal tear streaming out of your eye today as you imagine yourself standing at that graveside of a loved one. And if that's the case, as you wipe that tear away, I want you to imagine that it's not your hand wiping away that tear, but the strong hand of your heavenly Father reaching down to wipe away that tear and embrace you with his love. When we continue reading throughout the scriptures and when we get to the very end of the book of Revelation, we hear that not only will tears be wiped away, but death itself will be no more. For the graves will be opened and those who have died in Christ will rise to new, perfect, holy, glorified, full lives forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Today I want to start at the end. Because starting at the end ought to shape our perspective of what we are seeing right in front of us 
and what we are doing on a daily basis. We're in chapter 4 of our sermon series in the book of Ephesians, and, and here today in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul calls us to godly living, encouraging us to, to, to live together as a united body of Christ. But in order to understand why we would even strive for such a thing, we need to take a step back to see the greater story so that when we step into daily living, we do it with the right perspective. So today, let's do that. Let's take a step back. Today is All Saints Day. We just sang a hymn for all the saints. Today is All Saints Day. It's a, it's a Christian day, a Christian commemoration that goes all the way back to being celebrated sometime in the third or fourth century. And, and for most of church history, when we're talking about saints, we're not talking about people who lived some sort of perfect life, a higher standard than regular people. What the church means in, in general terms is, is somebody who has died in the faith as a Christian person. All Saints Day, but before we get to that, let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, did something yesterday? You put on some kind of crazy costume, walked around the neighborhood, got loads of candy. Anybody do anything like that? Yeah, some of you did. Nobody's, nobody's raising their hands. I will raise my hand. Unicorn for the win, all right? This is me. This is my costume, so nothing better than that. Halloween, though, Halloween uh, has Christian origins, and it has to do with this day, All Saints Day. Bear with me. Pay attention. So today we call All Saints Day. The word saint uh, basically means holy. In church history, another day for this, for the, another name for this day is All Hallows Day. Hallow also means holy, like uh, hallowed be thy name when you pray that, right? You're praying, may your name be holy. So it's called All Hallows Day. So you back that up one day before All Hallows Day, and what would you get? All Hallows Eve, and if you mash that together in Old English and say it quickly, you get Halloween, all right? For real, this is how Halloween has come into existence. It has to do with this day, All Saints Day. From our church membership here at Saints Peter and Paul in the calendar year of 2020 up until this point, fellow saints of ours, brothers and sisters in Christ, have departed this life and are at rest and at peace with Jesus. From our congregation, those, the names of those people are Elaine Lampinen, Sherry Saarinen, Elsa Strayer, and Bob Raffelli. Elaine Lampinen, I, I miss Elaine greatly. She sat right about where you are, Ryan. <laughs> Elaine, uh, she grew up in a time uh, locally, living on the family farm when life was not easy, but she learned the, the characteristics of hard work and, and faith. And in her year, later years of life, she was a resident at Canal View, and I would visit her there and bring her communion. And man, she would get me gut laughing, gut laughing. I mean, she, we had such a good time. I miss, I miss Elaine. Sherry Saarinen was another great woman of faith that brought the joy of the Lord to so many people. She and her sisters locally had a, had a Finnish 
comedy traveling drama show called The Sumalainen Sisters. I'm almost saying that correctly. The Sumalainen Sisters. And, and it was a Finnish comedy show. Bashir is also a woman of deep faith as, as troves of devotional books and highlighted Bibles and, and etchings of Bible passages were found in the concrete of their home. Elsa Strayer, Elsa, Elsa was a woman of, of great faith and compassion for those in need. Uh, Elsa had leadership roles here in our church and started many of the partnerships that we have in, in doing acts of mercy in the community, giving and sharing God's blessings with those in need. And many of those partnerships and networks that she established are still going strong today. And Bob Raffelli was a man of, of great joy and deep faith as well. He brought the joy of the Lord through his accordion playing at many different festivals. And I still remember that uh, one of the first uh, conversations I had with Bob was in a hospital room after a procedure that he had had in Marquette. And uh, he welcomed me into his hospital room with a big smile on his face. In your circle of friends, in your family, if you just think about this last year, you probably know other people, some of your loved ones who are now with Jesus. As our world deals uh, with the effects of a pandemic, thrown on top of all of the world's regular problems and regular causes of death, it seems to be that death is all around us. Usually, we're pretty good at ignoring death, pretending that death isn't a reality, fleeing from death, acting as though we are immune from its effects. We're usually pretty good at that, except now when you turn on the news, there's a constant ticker on the, on the newscast telling you how many people have died on a daily basis from simply one disease, let alone all the other diseases that are going untreated and people are dying from. And, and, and when we get into that place, it seems as though we cannot escape the reality of death. So what are we supposed to do as Christian people on a daily basis when it seems as though death is surrounding us and division is separating us? What are we supposed to do? Well, Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a suggestion. The Apostle Paul tells us about three virtues of Christian living. In Ephesians 4, we hear about humility, gentleness, and patience. Humility is the opposite of pride. Pride sows division. Humility reaps unity. Gentleness is the opposite of harshness. Now, gentleness does not mean weakness. It doesn't mean timidity. Gentleness simply means you act in the characteristic of God. And it means if you're going to get angry at something, you only get angry at the things that God would get angry at, nothing else. And patience is the self-restraint that does not retaliate a wrong. It's the characteristic of Christian living that understands the hope of the future so that we can undergo the trials of the present. 
Humility, gentleness, patience. These are the characteristics of Christian living, the virtues that build us up in unity. We've been spending our time in a sermon series called One in Christ, working our way through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to continue for a few more weeks. We called this One in Christ, and our emphasis is here intentionally in this season of our society because if we just focus on what is right in front of us, all we see is division and separation. You see it. I don't need to point it out to you. It's right before your eyes all the time. I get two mailers every day, one from over here and one from over here. Right? It's going to be before your very eyes for the next few days, even on Tuesday and after that. It's all over the place. And Tuesday's not going to solve it. Sorry. Christian people, we have been called and created for a different kind of living a calling to be one in Christ. We've been created to look differently than the world. That doesn't mean that as individuals that, that we have to all look the same. We don't, and we shouldn't. It doesn't mean that we have to all think exactly the same way about every single thing. That's not what it's saying. We don't have to be a carbon copy of one another. But, but we are all part of this body of Christ, part of this family of Christ. And Paul says, live according to humility and gentleness and patience and bear with one another in love. <laughs> another translation of this says, put up with one another <laughs> in love. Why? Because we're a family of God. We have to put up with one another because we love each other as Christ loves us. And Paul says we ought to be eager to live in unity in this bond of peace, which is Jesus. For Paul says it like this. He explains it. There is one body. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How many gods are there? There is one, and He is Lord right now, and He is over all, and He is through all, and He is in all. We are His. We are His. We are united, not because we have decided that we want to be. We're united not because the majority has spoken and said, we ought to be united. We're united because God has united us as one at the cross of Jesus Christ, where he's torn down that dividing wall of hostility and united us with himself and with one another. And if you think about it, any division that exists between people in this world is frivolous. It's silly. It's ridiculous if you think about it. If you consider the greater picture and the end of the story, any division in this world is, I'll just say it's silly. Think about it. Let's go to the end of the story. Revelation chapter 7. The apostle John is given a vision of heaven, of what is to come, and this is what he sees. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, 
from all tribes, from all peoples, from all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb and crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And there, that great multitude joins with the angelic chorus crying out, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Friends, this is your future. This is your future. This is your hope. For you, for your loved ones, for all who are in Christ. And man, I love this image. People of every tribe, people of every language, people of every tongue, they're at the throne of God. Republicans and Democrats and independents alike crying out, salvation belongs to our God. They're in that heavenly throne room, brothers and sisters in Christ from from Germany and England and Mexico and Brazil and Venezuela and Russia and China and North Korea and Egypt and Libya and Iraq and Iran and Syria, all gathered there at the throne of God saying salvation belongs to this God. People gathered there in, in heavenly chorus, people who in this life had been called to, to different tasks and purposes, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as shepherds, some as teachers working together for the unity that we have in Christ, all while building each other up into one body, one body with all kinds of different body parts, one body with Jesus Christ as our head. Will you put that slide up on the screen? We have been called as God's people, Ephesians 4, 16, to live as different kinds of people, but as one body. Some as arms, some as legs, some as pinky toes, but there's only one head, and that's Jesus. Why would you want to spend your days sowing division in this world? I don't get it. Why would you want to spend your days living angry at other people? Why would you want to spend your days fearing death? Why would you want to spend your days being tossed back and forth to and fro by, by the strong winds of this world and its cunning, crafty voices trying to mess with your head and draw you away from the head, Jesus Christ? Why would you spend your time listening to those voices? Why are you going to spend your time arguing about which politician you think is going to save the country when you know in reality that there's only one Savior of the world and He's already saved the whole world and His name is Jesus? I plead with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to take a step back. Take a step back from what you're seeing in the world. Put yourself back there at the graveside of a loved one where all of a sudden you recognize that the quarreling and the division of this world is just trivial. Put yourself there with that tear coming down from your eye 
And that strong hand of your heavenly Father reaches down to wipe it away. He puts his arm around you as the graves are opened and your family and your brother and sisters in Christ rise from the dead to new and glorified living forever and ever. Amen. Crying out, it's Jesus. The salvation belongs to you, Jesus, and to no one else. We are called to speak the truth and love to one another. So let me tell you one more time today how much I love you. I love you as your pastor, but as your brother in Christ. And I love you so much that I need you to know the truth. (laughs) What you see before you in this world is not the end. The stress that you're feeling about your upcoming exam, it's not the end. The stress you're feeling about managing your business, it's not the end. The relationship conflict that you're in, it's not the end. The coronavirus statistics you see are not the end. Don't let anyone convince you, but the election results on Tuesday, those are not the end. The end will come when Christ returns and all things will be united to him once and for all. And every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And on that day, we will thirst no more, we will hunger no more because Jesus Christ the Lamb will be in our midst and he will guide us to streams of living water. And on that day, there will be no more tears and no more death. In Jesus' name, amen.